Welcome to another inspiring message from David Hall, pastor of LifePoint Church, Adelaide, Australia. It's our sincere prayer that you would experience the presence and power of the Holy Spirit as you listen to this message. For more information, please visit davidhall.com.au. Ready for the word today? Fantastic. If you have a Bible, turn with me, please, the book of Ecclesiastes. I love Ecclesiastes. It was Solomon's meltdown. He wrote this one when he was having a bad day. But I feel like sometimes when you're having a bad day, you actually say things that are fairly truthful. And so Solomon was definitely, uh, he was definitely saying a few things that may have seemed a bit cynical, but there's a lot of incredible lessons to learn in the book of Ecclesiastes. And then we're going to jump over to the book of John, and uh, I'm going to believe that God's going to speak to us today. You ready for the word? Let's pray. Come on, let's just open our hearts. Let's stir our faith today. Let's fire up a little bit. Lord God, anoint the word today. Anoint me to preach, Lord. I pray anoint our people to receive the word and be doers of the word. Lord, let faith rise in the house. Lord God, let the power of the Holy Ghost be in this place in the name of Jesus. And Lord God, I thank you for what you're doing in the house by your spirit in Jesus' name. And the church said together, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand of praise today. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1, to everything there is a season. A time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast away stone, a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain, a time to lose, a time to keep, a time to throw away, a time to tear, a time to sow, a time to keep silence, a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace, verse 11, he has made everything beautiful in its time and he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no man can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. He has set eternity in the hearts of men. Do you know you are, you are born with a sense of eternity in your heart? I don't know about you, but I don't want to live this life without having a revelation of eternity. And I I want to just show you something uh, around the idea of Jesus today, because Jesus, uh, he operated differently to us. He he always knew the right thing to say at the right time. I I know the wrong thing to say at the wrong time, and I know the wrong thing to say at the right time, and sometimes I say the right thing at the wrong time, and so on. But Jesus, he, he navigated incredible complex situations. He knew what to say. He knew how to conduct himself. He knew how to act. He knew how to walk. He knew, how to, he knew how to flow in the gifts when he needed to flow in the gifts. He just knew the right thing for the right moment and for the right time. And, and I wonder, and of course he's God and all of those things, but I wonder if that may have had to do uh, with the fact that Jesus came to earth from heaven. So what we live in anticipation of, he lived with a full knowing, having experienced heaven. Now let's have a look at John chapter 1 for a minute. John chapter 1 and verse... Number one, it says this, in the beginning was the word. Somebody say the word. word. Now, we're we're being trendy and having capital letters here for everything, but you'll find that the word word in this passage is uppercase, talking about Jesus. Jesus is called the word. The Bible says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Verse 14, let's have a look at this. And the Word became flesh. Somebody say, the Word word. became flesh. 
Now, it's important you understand that Jesus did not begin at conception and, and, and his birth in Bethlehem. Jesus has always been. He was the Word. He was God who put on flesh. So when Jesus became flesh, and I want to read this right. A famous theologian, Don McLeod, says, He is sent forth as one who already has being, not as one who comes into being by being sent. So his existence is open-ended. He has always been. And so he goes back as far as eternity can go on either side, forward or back. He has always been. And so Jesus didn't become Jesus when he entered this planet. He always was. And so you've got to understand, Jesus comes to earth and is able to function in the divine wisdom of God and, 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 and about his father's business doing supernatural things because Jesus came into this earth with a full understanding of where he had come from. Now, we don't have that benefit quite as much. We have to live in the anticipation of eternity, in the hope of eternity, in the hope of the future, in the hope of things to come. And so we live faithfully as best as we can in anticipation of eternity with God. And so to try and get a revelation of heaven and, and best understand uh, what heaven means so we can live heavenly minded while on planet earth but Jesus you can see what a full revelation of eternity caused caused Jesus to operate in and I believe that as we have a revelation of eternity we will start to look and and be more like Christ in in our lives I think so often we try to self-improve and and do different things and and those things are wonderful but the greatest uh, the greatest way that we can be the hands and feet of Jesus on planet earth is to have a revelation of eternity and so over the next four weeks we're doing a series called eternity we're going to do a a Sunday on heaven and hell we're going to do a Sunday on the rapture and the second coming of Christ and we're going to do a subject a a Sunday next Sunday I'm going to preach on angels and demons because uh, the truth is it, it, it seems like a bit of a spooky subject but we don't know too much about it. Uh, we don't. We and and the truth is, it's not something pastors want to preach because the, the scriptures say a little bit about it. But you know, it's such a broad subject. So I want to just get in here on Sunday and teach our church the place of angels and the place of demons. Which I'll tell you, the place of demons is under your feet in the name of Jesus. But but we're going to talk about. It. Don't worry, it's not going to be just depressing. We're going to just talk about demons all day and foam at the mouth. We're going to leave victorious, knowing knowing that Jesus is alive and. And he has a plan for every life. But the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Isn't that beautiful? And we beheld his glory. The word became flesh. The word didn't become God. The word, which, who already was God, became flesh. Always been. So Jesus, when he took the form of a baby, came into this earth with a fully eternal perspective. But what you've got to understand is that he didn't just have an eternal perspective in heaven. The Bible says that when he died, the Bible says the one who ascended, Ephesians tells us, the one who ascended also descended. Yeah. Are, are you with me this morning? Yeah. So he went into hell. The Bible says he led captivity captive. And, and so Jesus didn't just know the beauty of heaven, but he saw the horror of hell. Yeah. And so Jesus was able to live knowing what eternity was all about. And it shaped the way he did ministry. It shaped the way he led. It shaped the way he functioned. And the truth is, when our eyes are not on heaven and that which is eternal, our leadership becomes very much a response to maybe a current problem that we're facing or a difficulty that we can see just in front of us. But when our leadership, our gifting, our, our, our Christian faith has, has heaven in our, in our sight, then what we're, what, we're, what we're doing becomes of greater value because our values become aligned with eternity. 
Are you with me this morning? And so, and so you, you've, got to, you've got to understand that Jesus' existence as a man was the continuation of his phase of ministry. And, and so he, he, he had a, a unique perspective because he had a uniquely eternal perspective. But we can, as we go over the next four, three, this week and the next three weeks, I'm believing God's going to show us greater layers of truth from eternity and I believe that that's going to shift our church just a little bit to be more kingdom-minded. There's five things that take place in our life when we become eternally minded. Five things that happen when we have a revelation of eternity. I'm sort of, I'm, today I really want to introduce the series and then we're going to go into it and open this up. So five shifts that will take place in your life when we live eternally minded. Number one, we place greater value on the unseen. We place greater value on the unseen. The book of 1 Corinthians 4.18 <coughs> excuse me, says, While we do not look at the things which are seen, we look at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things, that we, we, the things which are not seen are eternal. The temporal things take a back seat to eternal things. Those things that may seem so massively important in the moment, they, 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 they become strangely unimportant in the light of the bigness of eternity. We start to value the unseen things of God, things like faith, things like the power of the Spirit, things like God's grace, things like salvation, things like the keys of the kingdom, things like uh, heaven. Although it's a seen place when you go there, now it's unseen, but we value those things because they are things to come. And and I guess today I just want to build an anticipation in our spirit to ask God to reveal eternity to us in a greater way so we can live and, and live as aware of the unseen seen as we are of the scene. Do you know uh, when Solomon dedicated his temple, there was two different groups of people that got impacted that we read of in scripture. I mean, there's more, but two very key people. There's the queen of Sheba and, and, there's, and there's the priests that were doing the ministry. The Bible says that the priests, they, they, they fell to the floor under the anointing of God as they're trying to do ministry because the glory of God filled the house. Now, if you also look at this, the Bible says the Queen of Sheba came. She saw the grandeur of the place and her breath was taken out of her lungs. It wasn't a spiritual thing. It was a natural thing. Uh, and she, had an, she just had, a, 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 I guess, a, a moment where she was so blown away by the beauty of this temple that she collapsed the floor out of sheer awe, but natural awe. Now, too often... Church is trying to appeal to the natural senses in the realm of the scene. And I, but I'm okay with that, providing there's stuff going on in the unseen. People being delivered, people set free. I don't know about you, but when Layla got up and started talking about the fact that in a couple of weeks we're, we're baptizing a family that are from Iran. Let me tell you, when we baptize an Aussie, it's wonderful, it's beautiful, and it's an amazing thing. But do you realize it's, there's, no, there's no negative ramifications from society when you get baptized in Australia? If you get baptized as an Iranian Muslim, you can never go back to your country again. There will be, a, there, there will be risk of death and your family cut you off. You're no longer part of uh, uh, an inheritance. You're getting nothing. But, but, but that's the significance of it. And this wonderful lady and her family, they, they grabbed me as I was walking out of church just the other Sunday. And she says, I need God. I said, well, let's pray this prayer right now. We prayed the sinner's prayer. They got born again and they're getting baptized. I'm telling you right now, I'm getting in that tank. I'm going to hop in the thing. That, that, that tank's going to be lit. I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you right now. There's a Sunday to get baptized. I'll jump in that tank. Some Christians don't think they need to get baptized. By not getting baptized, it's the first act of disobedience a Christian can have. Because it's the first command of Jesus. Repent and be baptized. 
Some people, you can get saved, but you're living in perpetual disobedience until you do that. And so I want to encourage you. If you've never been baptized, follow the commands of God. Watch what God will do in your life in the name of Jesus. But we place greater value on the unseen. Number two, we live with a greater sense of urgency. Number, uh, Ephesians 5, verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. That word redeeming means rescuing and making best use of the time that we have now. And give them time. That's a gift from God. We're given time. We don't know how much. I'm gonna, I, know, I know I'm going to live till I'm about 173. You can even start calling me Methuselah right now. He lived to 969. That's old. Methuselah was old. He must have treated his parents like awesome. Man, the way my dad and I used to have Barneys as a teenager, I'm going to be lucky to make 17. But do you know, the, the truth is that when you have a revelation of eternity, there's a greater urgency about what you do. There's a great, it, it, it's, I, I really do believe as a church, you become very focused about what God's calling you to do and then you start to really have a good idea of what God's not, not telling you to do. So you're able to go, you know what, that's not part of the urgency of this hour. But the days are evil. It's a crazy time to be alive. I mean, <coughs> I mean, all over the world, the world's going crazy. Florida's been pounded with a hurricane and there's now Hurricane Jose following Hurricane Irma. Irma. We need to pray for those things because the Bible says in, 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 uh, in the last days there's going to be famine, pestilence, greater natural disasters, wars, rumors of wars. I'm telling you, it's all happening right now. We're living in crazy times. How do we redeem the time? We make the best use of our time by having an eye on eternity. If you believe it, can you say amen this morning? Number three, we live with heaven in our heart. I, as a pastor, you, you, you do all sorts of different jobs. People say, what do pastors do? You guys don't work very hard during the week. That's like the worst thing you can ever say to a pastor. Although it's quite true, it's still very painful. <laughs> Probably one of the biggest honours, and it's, it's an honour yet, it's, not a, it's, it's a joy but it's not a happy joy, is to lead a funeral. And I've led funerals for so many people. I've led funerals for... I mean, I did a guy's wedding and I did his funeral a week apart. It was crazy. But I've, I've, I've buried people that are born again and I've buried people that aren't. I've buried old people that aren't and young people that are. The perceived tragedy of a young person going home too early versus an older person departing at the end of their life, one seems less sad than the other. Yet the sadder funeral of the young person that knew Christ versus the less sad funeral of the older person that didn't walk with Christ, it's funny, even in the worst circumstances, you feel the greatest sense of victory. Why? Because our eyes are on heaven. There, there's some, I remember we had a guy in our church lost his wife, and, and he, he told me when, when his wife passed away suddenly, I said, how are you feeling? He says, it just makes me want to go to heaven even more. And he wasn't saying, I want to check out now. He just says, the wonder of heaven looks more beautiful to me because there's, there's something to look forward to on the other side. Heaven is going to be incredible. I can't wait to go to heaven. Living with heaven in our heart. Some of the funerals this year when had the service for Nikki Halleck here, 40 years of age, gone to heaven with cancer. It seemed like the worst defeat in the natural, but in the spirit there was a sense of victory because you knew that no matter what happened, no matter what the enemy tried to do, even though George and Sophie Halleck are now living in some of the most incredible pain that any parent can ever live, 
you know that the wonder of heaven is greater in them than ever. And they've still got something to look forward to on the other side. Can I tell you, when your eyes are on heaven, death loses its sting and it loses its victory. doesn't mean death doesn't hurt, but it loses its victory. Why? Because it's swallowed up by the victory of Jesus. And that's what we're looking forward to heaven. I can't wait to get to heaven. I don't want to go too soon. There's a few things I'd like to do. I'd like to go to Hawaii for a couple of weeks. But I'm looking forward to going to heaven. But I can tell you right now, in the meantime, I can live with heaven in my life because I have my eyes set on eternity. Heaven in our heart. (laughs) William Gladstone served as the Prime Minister of the UK four different terms. So he was in office, out of office, in office. Four different terms he served as. Not consecutive. He had four stints as PM in the 1800s. He was a committed Christian. He always attended church. And he taught Sunday school class throughout his whole adult life, even while he was PM. He was a Sunday school teacher. In fact, he actually studied to be a preacher. And when he got out of Oxford University, his father, who was very strong-willed, said, no, you're going to get into politics. And he did. And he went on to be Prime Minister of England, of the, of the UK. And he was telling a story just before he died. He told a story about how about a month earlier, a young aspiring politician met with him to be mentored and to, and to get advice. And this is how the conversation went. Uh, Prime Minister Gladstone says, what do you hope to achieve when you graduate from college? The young man replied, I hope to attend law school, sir, just as you did. That's a noble goal, said Gladstone. Then what? I hope to practice law and make a good name for myself, defending the poor and the outcasts of society just as you did. That's a noble purpose, replied Gladstone. Then what? Well, sir, I hope one day to stand for Parliament and be a servant of the people, even as you did. That too is a noble hope. What then, asked Gladstone? I would hope to be able to serve in Parliament with great distinction, evidencing integrity and concern for justice, even as you did. What then, asked Gladstone? Well, I hope to serve in government as Prime Minister with the same vigour, dedication and vision and integrity as you did. And then what, asked Gladstone? I would hope to retire with honours, write my memoirs, even as you're presently doing, so that others could learn from my mistakes and my triumphs. All of that's very noble, said Gladstone. And then what? And the young man thought for a moment, well, sir, I suppose I'll die. That's correct, said Gladstone. And then what? And the young man looked puzzled. He said, well, sir, he answered hesitantly, I've never given that any thought. Young man, Gladstone replied, the only advice I have for you is for you to go home, read your Bible and think about eternity. Can I say, church, we've got to live with eternity on our mind. We've got to live with heaven on our mind. We've got to live knowing that there is a life to come. And it's, it changes the way we act. It changes what's important. Number, number four, we live with right priorities. Our priorities change. Watching people, their biggest priority right now is to make as much noise and ostracize as many people on Facebook in this season. That's not my priority. My priority is the kingdom of God, loving people, investing in people, bringing hope to people, bringing victory to people, bringing joy to people. Your priorities change. What you care about changes when you live in the light of eternity. When you're living in the light of eternity, you're not going to get in a fight with somebody about a doctrinal matter. You're not going to sit there and just get all jazzed up by debating theology. I hate debating theology, but I'm not here to debate theology. I'm here to point people to Jesus. And, and I mean, we've got, to, we've got to rightly divide the word of truth. But at the end of the day, when it comes to my life, my priorities will change because my eyes are fixed on heaven. Now, I don't always get it right. Sometimes my eyes are in the wrong spot. They're on temporal things. But when they're on eternal things, the most important things begin to matter. Your priorities change. What's important to you begins to change. What God speaks to you, uh, that begins to change. What the purpose for your life begins to 
to change. Too often we're living uh, for, the, for the 85 or 90 years we get on planet Earth and we forget that it's actually about another life on the other side. I can't bring my stuff to heaven. I can't bring my iPad. I can't bring my boots. I can't bring my car. Anything, really. I can't bring my nice chair. I can't, I've got a chair at home. You hit a button and it goes back and you can just relax and watch Netflix. I can't bring my Netflix to heaven. I can't bring my cat Mavis to heaven. We all know she's going to hell. Uh, she is, she is gone. I can't bring any of those things. I can really, the only thing I can bring is the souls that are saved. While I walk this planet and, and, and the lives that are impacted. And, and, and when, you, when you start to think that way, you, so, you, you don't store up as much treasure on earth. You realize it's about what's on the other side. The Bible still says lay up an inheritance for your children and to set up things for them. So it doesn't mean just <coughs> being irresponsible, but it does mean we live with an eternal mindset that God has got something good. When, when, when your priorities change, the small things seem bigger and the big, big things seem smaller. You stop being about your business, you become about your father's business. You stop minding your own business and you start minding God's business. Yeah. I want to be about my father's business. You know, busyness it, it can, can be catastrophic to the effectiveness of a believer. Jesus talks a story about where he has uh, got a feast, a marriage supper. He wants everyone to come and have a feast with him. And so he sends out his servants to go and ask everybody. So they ask all these people and people just start RSVPing, can't make it, can't make it. And the excuses are one guy, uh, he, he buys some land. Another guy buys, <coughs> I think, a cow or some oxen. Another guy gets married. And so the excuses come in. The first excuse is, I can't come, I've got an investment. The second excuse is, I've got to keep an eye on my business. Another one is, I've just gotten married, so I've got a relationship that's preventing me to be in this situation, in this, in this feast. And you know, excuses are one of the biggest things that validate mediocrity as a, as a Christian. And I want to encourage you, let's not make excuses. It's great to have an investment. It's great to have a business. It's great to have a relationship. But never let those things pull you away from your passion for the kingdom of God. You know, for me, my business is kingdom business. My relationships, Donna and I didn't just get married so we could just be happy and live in Modbury North and have a white picket fence and, and have a cat and buy a hammock. But you know... I never married Donna to just do life and exist and then have some kids. We're married because we feel God's called us together to make a difference on planet Earth. And I just want to encourage you, don't, don't live in a space where everything else stops you from being where it counts. What are we going to do this day in preparation for that day? Because that day is going to come. Live with the right priorities, number Number five, we lose our interest in petty things. I, was, I told the nine o'clock service, I hadn't actually planned to tell the story, but I did, and I'm going to tell it again. Years ago, our church was in Plimpton in a, in, a, in, a, in a sort of an office kind of community building. We had a floor there, and the, the rent on that building was $106,000 a year. Our church was like six people and a dog. And so like, we just lived to pay rent at that church and it was like a noose around our neck. And I remember one day I thought we had been able to get out of our lease and move into another property. And I remember, I remember I ring the landlord to tell him that we're going to go a different direction. And the next minute I've got his lawyer ringing me, I've got him saying we're going to court and all of this stuff unless we stay on for another two years. And that was, that to me, I was in my head, that's, that's $212,000. Now, 
Now, in the scheme of our church now, that's a lot of money now, but back then that was like a million dollars proportionally. And, and, and so I remember driving the car and I felt like I'd been belted by bullies for my lunch money. It was just, it was just awful. And whenever somebody says that you go into court, that'll wake you up. I don't, it doesn't matter how innocent you think you are. It's just, and so I remember getting in the car, I'm driving to church, and we had this girl, and no, none of you know who she is, and I don't like to speak badly of people or anything like that, but she was just helping do some voluntary admin in the church to get some experience so she could get a job. And so I walk in, and I've just hung up the phone, pulled in the car park, I walk upstairs to walk into my office, and, and as I walk past this girl, she's going like this, she's going, So I sensed something could be wrong. <laughs> so, I walked up. so I said to her, what's wrong? She goes, oh, I can't. She actually goes, I forgot to say this. She goes, I can't talk about it. I said, really? You, you were right. Now, I'm being compassionate. Keep in mind, I'm now going through my own little living hell right now, full of pressure. But of course, my compassionate pastoral anointing <laughs> I laid aside my own pain and I loved the broken as it were and I said to, I said do you want to come to the office and have a chat she goes okay and so she wouldn't even she's like she's crying you know when they cry and it's not like a little bit of a it's like the to a point where if they keep dying, they're gonna die you know so she is in my office and she's like I couldn't get any sense out I said what's going on and she says she said, I'm trying to remember the thing she said because there's some things I don't know if I'm making them up or if they're true but either way it's a great story so she, she said no no this is all true not like the rest of the message I'm, I'm, I'm not preaching anymore I'm telling the truth so she she says she says she says I'm, I'm in a wedding and I've spent a hundred dollars on shoes and I'm upset because I, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to wear them for anything else. <laughs> Meanwhile, I've just been smacked down by lawyers for 212,000 bucks. <laughs> and now I'm looking at this child of God. I, I was thinking of so many different things I could do with those shoes. I'll tell you right now. Those... <laughs> I'm like, okay, can you believe I had to take her by the hands and pray this through? Father, in the name of Jesus, you see this moron's pain. <laughs> what? No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. So you see her pain. God, just sort it out in the name of Jesus. I remember I shut the door and the first thing that went through my mind is what kind of hopeless pastor am I that our people... Don't yell amen. He's like, yeah. The vice president of the Assemblies of God. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> what kind of pastor am I that our people are living and that's the level. A hundred dollar pair of shoes made me think, man, we've we got to preach this church to a place where if this is the, the, the bigness of their world, church, let us not be a petty people. 
Some of you, you fell out with your brother-in-law because he owes you a hundred bucks and he hasn't paid up. Let's go bigger picture. Maybe forgive a few things and say, hey, the relationship's bigger than the challenge because the eternal value of us walking together matters more than me being right and it matters more than me being... I've said it so many times, I'll say it again. When I think of a list of things I want in my friends, being right is not the top of that list. I've been friends with Victor for 30 years. I never, I never, never once did I go, you know, the thing I love about Victor is he's always right. It's never really been the most important thing. It's not something I look for in a wife. And, and mind you, it, never mind. <laughs> but do you know, the beautiful thing about living eternally minded is you think bigger. You're not living... I don't want to live thinking about small things. And you know, around the church, sometimes you just hear whispers. Oh, somebody, they said, little conflicts. And you think, guys, there's a world going to hell and all you care about is your shoes. Some of you care too much about your shoes. If it's not shoes, delete shoes and put something else in. Somebody said something about me. or Somebody unfollowed me on Instagram. or Somebody said something I didn't like on, on the Facebook. That's Italian. Speak Italian. When your eyes are on eternity, you think bigger. You dream bigger. Can I tell you, I'm not perfect. I'm a frail, mere mortal. But I can tell you something that Donna and I, we, we, we believe God for big things. Because we know that God's a big God. We're only going to live this life one time. We want to see something big happen for the glory of God. I want to, I want to dream big. I want, I want my dreams to get fulfilled, so I've got to dream bigger dreams. It's happened. It's happened multiple times. I'm having to make new dreams. I don't know what to even dream at the moment because God's been so good. I can tell you one thing I dream of. I dream of a day where this building can't even come close to containing what God's doing. I mean, we've seen it happen one time. We've had to go to two services. I'm believing God. Let's, get, let's go to three. Let's go to four. I mean, let's actually make our staff earn their money for heaven's sakes. Front row did not amen that one as much. <laughs> Pastor Keith was very silent. Pastor Keith is a legend yeah. and a mighty man of God who we love and honour. I'm just having fun. Usually I tease Pastor George, but he didn't come today. But you know, as a church, we, we'll think a lot bigger. We'll dream a lot bigger when our eyes are on eternity and our hope's in heaven. I don't wake up every day worried too much about what people say about me or think about me. I, I, I don't. I've lived in that space. The bigger you want to be for God, the more people are going to have an opinion and say things about you. You know, I just have to be about my father's business. So I've stopped minding my own business and I'm minding his business. What was his business? To seek and save that which is lost, to heal hurting people, to love broken people. And I believe over the next three weeks, we're going to see a mighty harvest of souls coming to our church. I'm even believing that we'll get people saved next Sunday. They'll get baptized the Sunday after. We're going to see God do something. And, you know, that's really all I want to say, but we're going to pray. I want us to stand. We're going to close. Hallelujah. 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 the little things that cause us to lose our brain but in the light of eternity they're just they're just nothing and i want to 
put a challenge out to us as a church today. Maybe uh, we've just been holding on to whatever could fit in that same scenario. And it's actually robbing you. It's actually causing you to live a small, small life when God's got a big life for you. And if that's you today and you'd say, David, you're talking to me today. Maybe I've been a bit too worried about my wedding shoes and I need to think about things that are a bit more eternal and a bit more significant uh, for the glory of God. I know I'm preaching to me. Let me tell you right now, don't ever think that when I get up here, I think, what can I say to these people today? (laughs) These, oh, that's going to hit the home with Trent. Oh, man, (laughs) this one's going to nail Layla. Woohoo! I don't do that often. Do you know... I never, I never have. I don't use the pulpit to bash a person. I try to use the pulpit to just shift our church to where God's called us to be. And what I want to say about that today is that when I, when I prepare that, God's talking to me and he's challenging things in my life and he's adjusting things in my life. And so today's message, uh, the only difference between you and me is I heard it first. Uh, and I'm just bringing what I felt God's saying to me personally and to us. But if you'd say, David, there's, there's a few little things that maybe just just got my head buried in small places where I should have my eyes on eternity. I should have my eyes on the plan and purpose of God for my life. If that's you, all heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I'm going to pray for you. You don't need to lift your hands. We're just going to pray, see what God wants to speak to your heart. But I'm going to believe God's going to set people free. I'll tell you, one pair of wedding shoes that a lot of you might carry is a fence. And, and uh, if you come to church, you're going to get offended. Uh, yeah, often, you just got to you just got to accept the fact that you got to get over it. No seasoned believer has any right to be offended. Seasoned in the Word of God, you got to push past that in Jesus' name. Let's pray, Lord God, you're here, uh, you're with us, and Lord, I just pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would touch hearts, Lord, shift our vision, uh, shift our eyes. Lord, you even David said, I lift up my eyes to the hills because that's where my help comes from. Lord, maybe our eyes have been just set on the, on the stuff around and about us, the small stuff, and we've, been, we've just been buried in, in, in things that aren't of eternal value and it's just eating us up. Lord, help us think bigger. Convict us. Uh, of small thinking and selfish thinking. And Lord, help us be who you've called us to be in the mighty name of Jesus. Everyone said? Come on, if you believe it, can you say amen and give the Lord a hand today? Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it was an encouragement to you. If you'd like to know more about David and Donna, please visit our website, davidhall.com.au. 